Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever the heck in the world you are. It is the one and only V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the Morning. We have with us the man of the hour. He needs no intro. It's the one and only Velas, and we're going to unleash him here on Rogue. But before we do that, check out our paid sponsors, MyCBDEdibles.com, MyCBDEdibles.com. For all your CBD edible goodness, amazing products, the highest quality, 99.997%. CBD isolate, not the concentrate, which what everybody else does. They give you that concentrate nonsense. The isolate, it absorbs much more readily into your body. It's the best way to take it. See MyCBDEdibles.com. And with that being said, folks and gentlemen, what is going on? What's up, Bellas? What's up, CJ? Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. <laughs> I want to I tell everybody that uh, the latest rumors... From deep within inside the interwebs, where the Q people <laughs> are communicating, the federal employees are not reporting to offices. Did you guys know this? Yes, There's a sir. lot of federal employees that did not show up to work today. It's not because of Juneteenth either. The crash helmets are in charge, and the patriots and the uh, military incompetent complex that works w- together with uh, Trump in Florida. They are prepping, not for the arrest, folks, but the real story behind this is that there's an alien invasion. And the crash helmets are called the crash helmets because they're actually the alien greys. They're the ones who have been, uh, you know, coordinating behind the scenes. I mean, are you, are, are, did you guys hear about this? Yes. I'm living it. You're living it. Yes. Because, because, because you're on the ground. And we... this, is, this, is, this is turning into War of the Worlds over here. Um, what do you see? What was what, what is the latest thing? The latest murmurings happening right now because you're on the front lines of this, man. Yeah, for for those of you out there, I'm I'm uh, often a contractor with with either commercial or government agencies, and right now I've been working uh, for um, Health and Human Services is where I'm I'm parked presently. So when the president signed the legislation yesterday, because it was later than in the day than everyone thought. Um, what happened was, at least at my agency and, and colleagues of mine who work for other federal agencies, what happened was is the notifications went out late uh, to those folks saying that today was going to be an observable holiday. Now, I admit my ignorance. Typical of government, I thought, okay, Joe signed it. You know, it'll go into effect in 2022. I didn't realize they were going to do it the next day. So, I mean, I've got friends at, at NASA right now that are trying to deal with, like, little things like putting stuff in orbit. Where folks right now are trying to figure out, okay, can the contractors come into the building? But because the contractors can still work, but the federal employees cannot. So little things like, are you still getting your mail today? Oh my God, you wait, this, this is not a joke. This is real. This me. I'm sorry, I've been paying attention to international things. What in God's name? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead serious, dude. I had and and CJ and I, folks were talking about this before the show started. Uh, v V didn't catch our our chatter before. So, for instance, what's happened is, is all these, uh, you know, government contracting agencies and so on, they were sending out emails to us at six, seven o'clock at night. And it's like when you work with the government, you know, most folks kind of shut down about four. 
So there was this big panic this morning across all these different agencies of government because all these contractors are saying, well, wait a minute, are we working? Is the government working? I'm supposed to be having meetings with the government today. And it's like, well, the government folks are not working. But the contractors can still build the government. And by the way, that's normal. It happens all the time. But the problem is nobody knew it was coming. So like everyone is scrambling right now, trying to move meetings into next week. Uh, but, you know, there's there's little things like equipment is supposed to be delivered to, to federal agencies before the weekend, you know, and, you know, all these things are now on hold. People are scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. Hey, man, what the hell is Juneteenth? I really don't know. What What is this? This is the acknowledgement of after the end of the war between the states of that all slaves were illegally freed across the reunited United States. Uh, if I recall correctly, there was a military officer who who posted a notice in a town in Texas, and that was kind of considered the last kind of holdout areas of the old Confederacy that that hadn't been placed back under jurisdiction of the of the Union government. Of course, what's an amusing historical takeaway from that, everybody, is is that. What's often not discussed is even during the war between the states, there were still slaves in northern states, and and they were yep. not freed until quite some time later. But we we tend to gloss over that one. And they call it Juneteenth. Yes, it's a dumb name. Like what 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 does it mean? Like fifteenth, eighteenth? Is it going to be the eighteenth of every June or? Well, and see, that's it. Or it's is it the establishment? Be, no, well, see, see, it's the nineteenth. It's the nineteenth, but they can't observe it on a Saturday. So it retroactively hits today. Oh, I see. Now, I hate to be the cranky person, as I often am on this show, but this is like what people talk to me about. Well, the government's going to do whatever, and I don't mean to rip on the Postal Service because I know that's an old joke. But when you see something like this, for those of you who don't work in this world or aren't, aren't familiar with, with the vagaries of how the government operates and so on, it, it's moments like this that when people say, well, the government's going to fill in the blank, my first reaction is, you've got to be kidding me. Because they can't even roll this out. Like I'm telling you right now, the government is going to find itself getting billed by contractors and others for what happened today. Because you've you've now caused projects to get delayed. You've now caused programs to be impacted. Um, you know, are the banks not going to operate today? I don't know. There was no advance notice, you know. In the old days when I worked in Washington, you'd start getting a notification, say, on Monday. And they yeah. would say, well, we may run out of money. I mean, obviously, that's a bigger one. But we may run out of money. Or the government may be doing the following. So be aware. And we'll keep you up to date as best as we can as the week goes on. But, I mean, they they reported on the news that the president signed the legislation. And then all of a sudden, somewhere, somebody <laughs> sat up in their chair and said, wait a minute. This this thing goes into effect tomorrow. <laughs> we got to notify everybody. <laughs> oh, exceptional, Stan. Exceptional, Stan. We do being, stuff being being <laughs> exceptional yet again, and I don't know if you guys saw this, and it it definitely has a uh, Billy Carter feel to it. But uh, Joe Biden's brother uh, had a uh, traffic citation. Um, I don't know how serious it was. Oh my god! But, but the case had to be dropped because the officer who issued the ticket is going to be in training and just can't make it to court that day. We are not. We are now officially li living in Italy. <laughs> you know, I, Jesus Christ! All right, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I can't. I just can't. Oh my God! I mean, are, are people are, are, are Americans just okay with this? Well, what are they going to do about it? Right, right. Their congressman. We're trying yeah, to, exactly. we're trying to get straight answers on the election and uh, whether or not China's going to invade Taiwan. Um, we've, we've got bigger things. The bigger things to be concerned about, and besides, everybody's been let out of their house now. Yeah, they're they're distracted by being able to leave leave their home without wearing a mask. Yeah, they can go out and grab a pizza or get a bite to eat or whatever, knock down a drink. You know, I mean, I think I think mask mandates just dropped uh, in New York, and I think they're allowing uh, I don't know seventy five percent capacity or something like that, and. It's just ridiculous, man. It's just ridiculous, fellas. You got a list of things. Let's 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 hit it, buddy. Let's hit it. Yeah, let me uh, let me Before fire up fire crazy. up for all of you out there. And uh, Moon Dragon, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Moon Dragon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate is that S E K? What currency is that? Oh my God! Is it Singapore? Uh, well, we'll find out. I think Anywho. it is. Okay, everybody. I've got I've got so much today. I actually had to cut it back. So some of today's content will show up next week. 
because uh, it can wait. It's it it will age well. So uh, to lead off with uh, something I, I kind of missed the last few weeks, uh, and I'm not going to let it go. We have no answers on the Nashville thermobaric explosion from last December, uh, nor the OVH cloud fire from last March in France with the French Swedish Krona. I'm sorry, SEK Swedish Krona. Oh, Sweden. Hello, um, Julian Assange is still in prison. Uh, Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself. And I would love to know what sort of deal was cut with the guards at the prison where Epstein died. Uh, I hope somebody can file a, a FOIA on that. Um, best wishes to the folks in the Southwest and the West of the United States, because boy, has the heat wave already struck. And thanks to the uh, droughts in California, Arizona, and Nevada, that's not helping. Uh, as some of you may have caught, Texas this week had to cut back on uh, power consumption. Oh, uh, God, again? Yes, it's only mid-June, folks. Can't wait for August. Or oh, September. my God. They're going to die out there. First, they were freezing. The this is Texas. What the hell is wrong with people over there? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you're supposed to be the examples of energy independence. This is what happens when, when uh, corruption in certain aspects of your home state catches up with you with the reality of Mother Nature. But, yeah, and with so many Americans moving to Texas, that's not going to – I mean, Texas just gained house seats. So, I mean, that's – that's a significant population increase. Uh, we got to definitely get the grid straightened out down there. My thanks also to Ernest Funship, um, who who uh, sent a note to me on YouTube uh, qualifying my comment from last week. I was talking last week about um, my preference to not use the word capitalism because that's kind of a Marxist term. I prefer free market. Um, he pointed out that actually it was Ludwig von Mises who said the system of free enterprise has been dubbed capitalism in order to de deprecate and to smear it. Uh, right. And then his comment was, Marx was the first to do this. So, Ernest, my appreciation for um, your guidance on that one. Um, I'm going to consolidate victories because I've got a section today we're going to cover a little later about BlackRock and the Vanguard Group uh, and one of my favorite subjects of private equity. But So I had to kind of consolidate some material. So for some of the victories, um, kind of consol I, was <laughs> I was trying to consolidate, but there were so many, uh, I had to put them back in. So uh, first, uh, the city of Baltimore. Uh, was forced into corrective action because their business districts just stopped paying taxes. And they said, we're not going to pay the taxes until you, Baltimore, get your act together and start correcting a lot of the problems down here. And magically, Baltimore started taking concrete measures to correct the issues that the business community raised. So let us keep that in mind as an option wherever you may live. Yeah. Uh, second, uh, Governor DeSantos is sending Florida law enforcement down to Arizona and Texas to help them uh, with the border. Uh, which is an interesting move because although, you know, we're here at Rogue bummed about the balkanization of America, but yet cooperation between certain U.S. states will only make us stronger. Yep. Um, the soccer star Ronaldo uh, was giving a press conference, and he's very much uh, into personal fitness and has done, I've seen some news conferences where he jokes about getting upset with his son for drinking any kind of sugary drinks because he's all about healthy food and living healthy. So he sat down at a, at a news conference after a soccer game, and they had a bottle of water and two bottles of Coke in front of him. And he picked up the Cokes and just kind of moved them off to the side and, and looked at the reporters and said, um, no way, I don't, I don't drink that stuff. And he held up a, a bottle of water and just said, agua. Um, that one act cost Coke 1% in their stock price. Good. Because of the bad publicity. That's a couple of bil billion dollars. So although I know Ronaldo can get away with that, my, my uh, scratch-on-head thought was, uh, I wonder what would happen if other high-profile did that, other high-profile people did, did that, to say Disney or other virtue signaling corporations. Uh, I'm pretty sure the lawyers at Coke uh, called the league about that one, but I'm sure Ronaldo could less than give a crap. Uh, and then lastly, um, all the school battles that I've been uh, referencing on the show um, and especially Loudoun County, who is, I said last week, is pretty much ground zero about critical race theory and um, other things along those lines. Obviously, parents and their efforts to combat these, these uh, things are becoming more and more effective because why? Uh, several news articles have come out uh, from Breitbart and other news sources that NBC News produced a hit piece on these parents, and you can imagine what NBC said, that they're white supremacists, they're misguided, they're ignorant, they're from the Midwest, which I take personally, um, and so on. So keep the fire on target, people. Um, these uh, parent groups are talking to each other, they're coordinating, they're working together. I've given many examples each week here. Um, 
the other side is feeling the heat, uh, and that's why um, they've taken the action they did. Uh, Dan Bongino this week said something very interesting. Um, and, 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 and as soon as he said it, I thought, no, I, yeah, that's got legs. Uh, that's worth thinking about. His comment was, were the careful releases of information about Hunter Biden actually intentional? And if you think about this, it makes sense. Because it's not blackmail if everybody else knows about it. So anything you know, else... That's you, brilliant. That is brilliant, yeah. It, it is. And anything else you might true uh, try to use to compromise the president through his son would just get thrown into the pile of people saying, oh, yeah, that's just more of that laptop stuff. Now, Bongino thinks it was Bill Barr who did who created this release. Probably. On the one hand, to me, it doesn't matter. On the other hand, you know, Bill Barr is... I say this with great respect. Bill Barr is incredibly dangerous. Bill Barr, has, every time the government gets, I've said this many times on the show, every time Bill Barr shows up, the government just put its foot in a gopher hole. I don't know that they need to call in Bill Barr to fix Juneteenth, but like <laughs> Iran-Contra, things like that. I mean, literally. You know what kills me about this whole entire um, Hunter Biden thing, going back to it, 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 it? I keep looking at Rudy Giuliani, and I'm just like, my man. I mean, you, you, right. you're out there again with the... <sighs> If you want to, again, I think Patrick Brunt's uh, uh, write-up on how Trump lost the election was was brilliant, and I think gives an inside baseball look at what the hell was happening within. And you see Giuliani just dropping the ball. I mean, the guy's like seventy some odd years old. He's over the hill, you know. He 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 he, he fumbled and stumbled uh, through that whole entire case, and then he's got the Hunter Biden thing, and he's going on national TV. He's going on Fox. He's going on other other places like Newsmax and whatnot. Him and Bernie Carrick. And they're like, oh, there's questionable underage uh, women uh, or children or, or something like that in the Hunter Biden. And nothing comes of it. Hey, all right, Rudy, what did you do? Oh, we handed it over to the local police. What the hell would you do that for? You in know? The state, in the state of Delaware. In the state which, of Delaware. Which is controlled by the Biden family, which means it's not going anywhere. because they're going nowhere. Issue well, you know, this whole thing, is it, it just seems so damn contrived. And it's to the point where you got to ask each other a question. Um, I'm not, I'm not laying blame here and I'm not saying that, uh, correlation is causation, but, um, w- why would he do that? That's the most dumbest move you could do. If you're playing chess, the dumbest thing you could do is, is, is hand it over to the Delaware police and tell them, here, here you go. Uh, you know, give it to the FBI. I mean, why would you, you you'd want to get this public as possible, you know? And, and then the, and the messed up thing is, and this is what pisses me off all the more. All this was done when Trump was still president. It's egregious, right. man. Well, and and again, if you want to go down the road of of as you've often said, be you know the, the topic of three dimensional chess or uh, sorry, oh, five dimensional chess. Topic of the we're talking about the crash helmets again. Well, no, what I, mean, what I mean is is that um, if you go to the foreign media or you go to other sources or you just go to people out there chattering on their own boards. Um, or even people I used to work with in the defense contracting community, if you look at what, you know, what will always get the public's attention, what is more sensational? I mean, I've got, I've got folks on my phone. I've got a copy of a photo that a friend of mine in Europe sent me. I don't know what board they got it off of. And if it was the deep dark web, I don't want to know, but they've got a, they sent me a photo of Hunter Biden doing cocaine off of a hooker's butt. (laughs) And, uh, that was Wall Street of him. Yes, and that always gets the public's attention. What, what doesn't? Do you mean, the... You've never tried that before. I mean, I just no comment. <laughs> um, oh, CJ is uh, who? Who's our friend with the cat? Um, anyway, uh, the, the the guy on the air. He was where's the hat? Who am I thinking of? Tim. Uh, Tim Pool. Tim Pool. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the the guy who took a cat as hostage. <laughs> But no, if you if you if the rumors are true, and again, we're in the land of rumor. We unless somebody out there has a copy of it, and I don't know that I want it. Um, but a lot of the data that that was on that laptop included a lot of evidently routes and timing and payments for narcotics trafficking, including human trafficking, including the big one we've talked about here on the show, which is all of these different foundations and charities, and the list goes on, being used for laundering. Correct. So, so if that's on Hunter's laptop, what do you release? Naked hookers and that's cocaine and, and passed out. Yeah. So it's the same thing here. If you carefully this, I mean, I used to see this in corporate America with senior executives where there was some major thing that was about to go public 
So you create a self-inflicted wound to draw the public's attention away from the bigger issue. And I right. hate to say it, but it's a very effective method. Extremely. So, so speaking of public distraction, one of the things that I've raised on the show is, is that there's a rumor in the, in the UK that all of this nonsense about um, Meghan and Harry and all of the attention on them and them you know, doing Spotify broadcasts and things to try and make money and this, that, and the other was actually meant to draw attention away from Prince Andrew and the Jeff Epstein topic. Yep. There's a new variation of that now that says actually attention on Andrew and attention on Meghan and Harry is meant to keep Epstein attention off of Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. We'll right. keep our, our Oh, you know, Bill going. Clinton, you know, you know it's funny. You got James Patterson, the 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 well-known author, right? Right. Um and he just <laughs> and he wrote a book on on Epstein because he was like Epstein's neighbor and he was like you know, billionaire, you know, uh, child trafficker, this, that, and the other. I mean, it was a, it was quite the uh, the book that he lambasted Epstein with. I mean, just enough, just enough in, in, in a scandal in there. But Patterson just released a brand new book. Did you see this? Mm, I don't think so. It's called The President's Daughter. He co-authored it with, guess who? Bill Clinton. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the question becomes, was Patterson part of the whole entire um the counter op with 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 Epstein getting Epstein's name out there prepping the the public for an Epstein trial and 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 getting people conditioned with that name Jeffrey Epstein because because think about it you're going to write a a book on Epstein it's kind of similar to what they do with Hunter Biden releasing the uh the scandalous photos right right and then all of a sudden, so Patterson writes that he, you know, and then the Epstein trial really picks up. It was after the Patterson book that I think a lot of heat started coming down on Epstein, especially with the Florida prosecutions, and then the recent address, uh, arrest in Teterboro, New Jersey, uh, and then so on and so forth. Where now all of a sudden, here's a book written by Patterson and, and Bill Clinton, no less. Bill Clinton and, J- and James Patterson, the president's daughter. I mean, I mean, come on. Well, and let's also keep in mind that that the book that is considered the definitive um, book on the death of Vince Foster was written by an author who now is very close to the Clintons, and yet the the original copy. Now, see, folks, that's how you do it. That's that's some serious Machiavelli there. Yeah. Why go out and destroy somebody who has been your adversary? And that's that's Sun Tzu. That's the Chinese tactician Sun Tzu as well. Why destroy an enemy when an enemy can become an ally? Yeah. Who's a greater ally than somebody that was once an adversary? You know, there's this thing in military science where they talk about the greatest the greatest acknowledgement a military commander they can have is praise from an enemy. And this is why it was such a big deal that when Erwin Rommel had to commit suicide, for trying to overthrow Hitler's government, that it was none other than Winston Churchill who addressed Parliament praising Rommel's military expertise and his loyalty to Germany. So this it's very convoluted. It's very smoke and mirrors. Um, I, I was quite stunned when I saw the Clintons hanging out with the guy who had written that book. Um, speaking of the Civil War in the United States, which has already started in case no one had been paying attention, um, there's been some really impressive articles out there about um, the balkanization in our country. Um, and one of the things, uh, I kind of mentioned this a little bit on a, on a prior show, but just wanted to point out again, if, if you look at the total population movement right now in two key states, there are many, but in two key states, in the case of California, the total number of people moving into the state and the total number of people moving out of the state the net of that is they've lost more than they've gained. And that loss has cost California $8 billion in revenue. That's net. Jeez. Illinois has lost $6 billion. But what puts Illinois in even in a worse spot is their public pension system is so underfunded that the fear from 2008 is going to be revisited, and that fear being that Illinois is going to declare bankruptcy. Now, what do I think about that? I think Illinois is going to declare bankruptcy. I don't know how they're not going to declare bankruptcy. And if you're going to declare bankruptcy, you sure as hell want to declare bankruptcy when you got Joe Biden in the White House. So keep an eye on that one, folks. Because the other thing, too, is 
this is the pressure of of government and politics and everything else. Of course, Illinois is going to get bailed out. I mean, we're not going to sell Chicago on the open market, even though I know Gus might think that's a good idea. I'm, I'm joking. Not about it. I mean, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're open daylight muggings that are happening on the Magnificent Mile in Chicago these days. They might as well sell the whole damn thing. Well, and as we've discussed on the show, and in case any of you were unaware, you know, here in, in the U.S., if yours, I've had this happen to some close friends of mine recently who left Illinois. They had to save up money for two years before they could leave Illinois. Because if you leave Illinois or California, they—I forget what it, what it exactly it is. It's a little different between both states. So don't it's like anybody. An exit tax. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I had friends of mine I knew in college. They had to save up money for two years before they could leave the state of Illinois. Now they could have moved to where they moved to, which was a state that doesn't treat you that way, and it happens to be in the Midwest again. Um, but Illinois and California have legally decided that they're going to pursue you if you don't pay them the money. So they just they saved up the money. That's in funny. Illinois. Come, come find me, please. <laughs> uh, before they before they moved. So that kind of thing's going to continue to happen. And as I've said, any of us here in the revenue generating red states are going to end up paying for the blue states to a certain degree for the for the liberty that we want. Which, if you think about it, is kind of clever because somebody out there is going to make a lot of money. But the other factor here to me is, as we're fighting the second American war between the states virtually, at least virtually and somewhat violently, it's kind of like a Cold War if you think about it. Um, but there's no way governors are going to sell out their people to this degree unless they've been offered something huge. When we look at the kind of nonsense coming out of, and I don't mean the mayor of, of uh, Chicago, that Lightfoot is, or Beetlejuice, and is... What was that? Sorry. That was me. CJ, oh. stop messing around, CJ. Jeez. <laughs> Kid, one of the kids walked in. Um, but uh, the for it, for governors to sell out their citizens to the degree that they have, and even by the standards of New York, and, and V, I know that that's a sensitive topic, but even by the standards of New York, for Cuomo and others to have sold out the elderly of that state to the degree that they did, to me, that's more than money. You know, these governors may have, in fact, even been threatened. There's no real way to know. But as Matthew Arad has often said, you know, as, as we're here in this global conflict, and it is, between the unipolar world and the multipolar world, and what do we mean by that? Well, by unipolar, we mean like basically a one-world government, uh, even if it's not official, versus a multipolar world where we have independent states that, at their own free will, can choose whether or not they want to work together. Um, but there's also a ton of other fringe players out there. And as we're also aware, we've got some folks in Silicon Valley. Donald Trump had even mentioned this, that when the reporters were pressing him when he was still in his in his administration about, well, Mr. President, what's going on in Seattle and Portland and these other cities in the Northwest? And the most he would say about it was, is, is and I you know, paraphrase or quote, that it was a group of very powerful families were, were fighting it out over things. And from everything I've ever been able to hear from from folks I know, that's that's pretty much what it was. And of course, we know what Catherine Austin Fitz has said about the 33 out of 34 major federal financial districts in the United States, that this opens up the door to very powerful people being able to bail out those cities for um, a heck of a benefit to themselves. But tragically, and this is where, you know, living here in the United States with two big oceans on both of our borders and, and are being kind of isolated, and the fact that our media is an entertainment mechanism rather than an information mechanism, you know, this is what happened in Venezuela 20 years ago. This is what's happening in Colombia right now. Um, what's equally interesting, and this should be no shock to anybody, um, is that when you're in circumstances like this, supposed ideologically firm people like the good folks at CNN can shift their allegiance on a dime. And there's no more, and I'll get into this a little bit in a moment, there's there's no more uh, clear-cut example of that than the degree to which the, I hate to use the word left-wing media, but the media who are paid off on that side or that view have literally on a dime turned on Kamala Harris. And we've seen so many major players out there suddenly shift their allegiance and just look at us with a straight face and now Tom with the weather. And they're not going to endanger those huge paychecks they have. Because if you screw up in the media and you're a public face in the media, um, you're really in no position to stand up or take a stand on anything because you'll, ne you'll never work in that industry again. And I'll, I'll, I have a, uh, in a moment here, I'm going to get into something about Fox News where that happens there too. But there's also a lot of limitations. I mean, case in point, we got Rand Paul who's done a lot of good. Uh, asking the doctor 
uh, and others about the coof and the bug and all of that. But even Rand Paul has never asked you-know-who about all of his patents with Moderna under which he financially benefits. Yep. Because even Rand Paul can't. I mean, Rand Paul got attacked in his own front yard trying to mow his lawn. I mean, he knows there's limits. And even Tucker Carlson, who's gone full berserker these last couple of weeks. Now, I know Mike Moore, and I understand why Mike Moore over at True Pundit feels the way he does, because Mike's right. You know, he's like, I don't understand what everybody's getting all jacked up about Tucker Carlson for. I've been saying the same stuff he's saying, you know, for two years. And it's like, Mike, and you're absolutely right. And those of us who listen to your program would, would back you up in court on that. But the other end of it is you're not speaking to millions of people on a media network owned by um, – Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, whose sons are now in charge of the network and who have gone full left. The only reason why they're letting Tucker stay on the air is he's making them money. But even Tucker Carlson has gone nowhere near the Biden family, uh, family foundations, the trusts, what really happened with Bo Biden and all yeah, what of What really that. happened with Bo Biden? He died of cancer? Well, but what was the real he, story? Well, he, yeah, he died of cancer. But the, the real backstory was is that what happened was is when he was dying and was in no position to really administer his own affairs, if you will. It was Hunter and Joe who created a series of trusts and other things where all of the illegally acquired money, or let's just say shady money, the Biden family had acquired. And this is this is from uh, Mike Moore's content. Um, they poured all that money into those trusts that were under uh, the oh. ownership and the control of Bo. Then when Bo died, all the money reverted to Joe and Hunter and supposedly within hours of Bo dying, I mean, the funeral hadn't even taken place yet. And Hunter and Joe supposedly raced to their lawyer's offices and immediately had all that money moved out of the country. And I wouldn't use the word laundering because it's not exactly what happened. But you've effectively gotten the money out of the country without anybody being the wiser because Hunter and Joe's names weren't on it. It, was, it, it looked at first glance like it was just Bo's money. That, that he had made through through uh, his, his various yeah. interests. Yeah. So then the other thing, too, is if you really – now, some of you might be saying, well, this is all speculation, uh, even if we agree with it. Not exactly. Uh, go over to Ryan Dawson, which is why Ryan has to continue broadcasting his program from Japan, <laughs> literally. Um, he's over on BitChute. Ryan's got uh, two full videos that they, they, you don't have to pay to see them or anything. That's uh, the ANC – uh, network. Um, and then BitChute's got Ryan Dawson out there. Um, he's got a Biden family as a crime syndicate. Um, I saw that one this last week. That one is, was even disturbing by my standards. Uh, and then uh, Ryan put together another video he calls Corn Pop's Revenge, <laughs> which, which is another take on... Corn on, Pop was a bad dude. He ran but, with uh, some bad boys. <laughs> Well, and what what Dawson does though is he goes into who are the you know he almost does a a uh, amazing poly level program. I mean, he goes into the names. He's got graphics and stuff showing, and it's it's so convoluted, folks. I mean, you'd need a forensic expert, team of forensic experts and lawyers to get through all of this crap. In fact, uh, some of you might be aware if you know of Ryan's work. Ryan produces these big posters. I've got one here at home that's about like three by three foot on Epstein and it's the whole Epstein map of everybody who's involved and where all the money was coming from. And nice. it's, it's pretty neat. It's very clean. You can, you can easily see all the various connections. It's got my, my favorite person, Les Wexner on there. Um, he just produced another one on the Bidens. I just, I just ordered it. So as soon as I get that and take a look at it, I'm sure. What's his name? Ryan, what? Ryan Dawson, last name D A W S O N. He also goes by R Y space Dawson or R Y A N Dawson. But he's kind of the guy that looks like the guy you buy weed from in college. But yeah. um, he's he's a great guy. Does a lot of work. Um, he's got a real uh, he's got a real chip on his shoulder about Israel. Um, but more power to him. So on the Fox News thing, I was mentioning um, there was this thing that popped up briefly in the news this week, where a Fox News reporter turned over audio and video to Veritas, and of course Veritas's position was, hey, you know. We may be conservative leaning, but we're going to cover even uh, stuff on the right that might be a little off. Now, what happened was the spin from mainstream media outfits was, well, this is just a disgruntled reporter and she wasn't getting her way and she wasn't able to, to do the, the stories she wanted to. And so they had to terminate her and this, that and the other. That's not it. <clears throat> if you dig down, what it was is 
I've actually seen some of the video. Her media boss at Fox was like literally screaming at her on this one video conference about you will not talk about alternative treatments for the bug, period. And that's what it was about, was she wanted to cover other drugs that were available long before, um, you know, the, the various uh, uh, experimental stuff that's out there now. And that goes to the heart of it again, that it's like there's certain topics, folks, they just can't or won't cover. So like with all the blame on China and, um, you know, virus people are missing and this, that, and the other, uh, it's an intentional distraction. It's a, it's a head fake. And, and yep. as I said on last week's show, you know, V and CJ did a great job on June June 4th, um, or I'm sorry, on June 3rd. And then well, I you missed- know, it's pretty funny. Ever since we did that, we've had uh, Snopes and a couple other people saying, oh, GSK never owned that lab and blah, blah, blah. The truth of the matter is GSK has been in China for 100 years. 100 well, and, years. And, and, and the it- other thing. The other thing is who watches the watchers when Snopes says exactly. stuff like that. Who's the, who's the media organization that double checks on Snopes? Because we now know that Snopes is completely funded. I mean, they were once a, a, uh, a good organization, but they've been, they're receiving their direction from a foundation and a trust that's under Soros control. Correct. So they can't, they can't be counted on. Um, but the the show that VNCJ did on the 3rd of June, which is great, and you've got to go to the Rogue News website because there's no way on God's creation we're going to have that on YouTube. And then I misspoke last week. <clears throat> I said Polly had her program from BitChute. I said June 6th. That's incorrect. I posted it on Discord on June 6th. Her program is from June 4th, and she's also on BitChute. Those two programs did, did an excellent job, pretty much the only two things you need to see. But the point I wanted to make about that was, again, they're trying to distract us. They're trying to distract everybody out there because the focus is on did they or didn't they? When did they know? Uh, was this lab affiliated with the Chinese military? And, and V has quite rightly pointed out, and I would agree based on my defense contracting work, you don't ever put a weapons lab near civilians. No. Not because you care about the civilians. It's just it looks bad if something happens. <laughs> yeah. So you put that stuff. I mean, I never, I never was reviewing weapons test data about something I did in downtown Chicago. No, we always did that stuff way out west or out in the Pacific Ocean somewhere so that we didn't hurt anybody and also nobody saw what we were doing. So in this case, um, I've mentioned on a prior show, but I wanted to raise it again. Research institution folks are an incredibly great way to launder money. I mean, we've seen this with universities. I've mentioned this many, many times about uh, very wealthy people putting money with with universities, then they've got family members on those boards who direct that money right back to themselves. So a lot of these labs and things, um, it's a great way to launder money. And so the real, I don't want to say the real story, but one of the real stories here is they don't want you all looking too much at the the real cover-up, which is where was all that money going and whose corporations were involved. And how many of these think tanks and other groups had a hand in this? And then the, it's kind of like with Epstein. You're trying to focus on Epstein, but you're not really looking at all the people that were around him and Ghislaine. It's the same thing here. It isn't just that one research facility. There are many, many, many others like them out there. And so the real, the real story is, among many, is the lab was being used to, to basically launder money, hide money, move money around. You put it in the lab. The lab contributes money to other people, et cetera, et cetera. Shifting, shifting uh, topics a bit, we've all heard about the inflation and possible stagflation, but here's another thing that will direct, directly hit all of us, which is shrinkflation. Um, I saw some stories about this a while back, but then... Um, uh, shrinkflation. Is, is, that, yes. is that theft of uh, product and retail? Well, what it is is uh, if you pull a bag of or a, a package of... Oh, food, yes, yes, yes. That what you'll find, folks, is there's less sheets on each roll. Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons for doing that. Number one, as inflation goes up, you won't really feel the cost difference too much because there's less product. So I'm not saying all of you go out there and find old cans well, of soup. You, 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 know, you know where I see it, man, is when I go out to the butchers and uh, behind a case of meat, my favorite ribeyes just went up about you know several percentage points every other week. Well, and that that one they can't they can't cover up. But packaged exactly. products, folks, be mindful that there's probably a lot less in there, and there's been there's been a lot of that going on. They're trying to kind of shield, um, uh, shield the price increase. 
So to quote the late, speaking of Vince Foster, to quote the late, late Vince Foster of the Clinton administration, for any of you who know what happened to him, um, he once said in Washington, D.C., ruining people is considered sport. Yep. And I couldn't agree more. So a very strange game has been played on us. And it's why focusing on the long game is always very hard. And for many out there, there was an acceptance that Kamala Harris was eventually going to be moved into Joe Biden's position as president. And this I, was- I, I never felt that, though. I, I knew that she was also a, a temp hole. There's no way they're going to let that dingbat be president. No, and that's becoming more obvious, and I'm going to get into that in a moment. But but even I was willing to entertain that idea in the beginning simply because I thought, well, she would be easy to control. Um, but there's always the web of connections that are out there, and several things have have developed, and I wanted to share this with all of you. Uh, and I mentioned this a moment ago. You know, the narrative in the in the domestic and foreign media, even this last week, there were a number of stories in Europe talking about, you know, well, it's kind of accepted that Kamala will be made president, perhaps even early in 2022. Um, and there's a virtual civil war, speaking of civil wars, going on right now between Kamala and her camp and Jill Biden. Now, typical of Washington, D.C., uh, part of that is because of the egos of the people involved. But equally important, it's their handlers and their supporters. And this is a typical thing in Washington. I forget who the president was, but somebody asked one of our former presidents, I think it was Eisenhower, um, how, how do you make, like, how do you have friends in Washington? And the response was, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. Um, where I'm going with this is, is that the people that are defending Kamala are not defending her necessarily because they like her or, or believe in her. It's just, it's about their careers. They want to make sure that they can grow in Washington or do the rotation into the private sector. And so their horse cannot lose. And so evidently there's some large arguments going on in the White House between Kamala's camp and Jill Biden. And so it was interesting to watch, as I mentioned earlier, that in a relatively short period of time, CNN, MSNBC, and others basically abandoned Kamala Harris like in a day. Like in one day, you could just see them flip the switch. Hmm. And that's not just the fickleness of the media or the powers that be in D.C. To me, somebody told them to do that. Now, do the Bidens have enough mojo to pull that off? Well, certainly. Absolutely. But I don't know that. Come I don't on, know nobody. That, I don't know that that's the full story. And I think that it's coming well, out. Now. Let's go higher up the rung. If it wasn't the Bidens that called to put that in, perhaps it was the Clintons. Indeed. Or, or, or Obama, which is basically or the, the same thing. Yep. Now, she has been set up for failure since day one. One thousand percent. She's going. To I, I heard she's going to be the the next czar of the uh, Mars missions program. Oh, God help us. <laughs> yeah, just as soon as just as soon as all the employees can come back to work. Um, now, does Kamala Harris have influence to a degree? But she's not a decision maker. And I've said this often that even even the Silicon Valley executives, when I look at them, regardless of their disproportionate level of influence or or the media falling in love with them, or as Bill Burr, the comedian used to say about uh, Steve Jobs, Silicon Valley Jesus. Um, but those folks, Bezos and others, they're not multi-generational wealth. They're not multi-generational families. And they, they, they much like the doctor in D.C., can be removed if that's what the powers that be want. So she's an asset who can be used, no more. And putting her into the presidency would be dangerous. So the simplest outcome I can see, and typical of the Bidens, is as follows. Um, the Biden family or the Biden crime family, they need to retain their influence and without the danger of investigations once Joe's out of office. And in my opinion, they've already sold the presidency to somebody who's backed by a powerful group of people. Now, who that person is, I have no idea. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, now I know there are those out there that would quite rightly say, well, what about the rules concerning succession? Well, let's turn back to Dick Nixon in the 1970s. They moved Spiro Agnew out pretty quick when the powers that be saw Nixon was going to have to go and moved in a classic D.C. player like Gerald Ford. Uh, because once Nixon was out, you're not going to have Spiro Agnew as the vice president. You know, become so president. We could expect some sort of a, either a controversy to arise with Kamala Ho or some sort of a medical emergency type thing happen occur. I would agree. There's, yeah. there's a whole... Uh, oh, hobo sermons. Thank you. Yes, it was nerd Jesus. Um, 
Yeah, there's there a, a legal, perfectly legal mechanism. It is not going to be a UFO uh, abducting her. Um, like <laughs> well, the crash helmets could do that, man. The crash yes. helmets have all the power, you know. <laughs> but some legal mechanism will be found, and this will be dealt with because Joe Joe just can't go much much longer. There, a friend of mine pointed out to me that if you looked at CNN's website here in the United States, it was all very well. It was a good meeting with the G7 and this, that, and the other. And then um, if you look at CNN in Europe, it, it was literally the polar opposite. It was, Correct. it was what a, what a disaster. There's a clip out there, folks, I wanted to get for you and I can't find it. Somebody sent it to me, but it's very grainy and I'm trying to find the original. It shows a bunch of tigers in this like um, nature preserve. And this door opens up and this bigger tiger comes walking in. And my buddy, my buddy goes, it's like Putin showing up at the G7 because all the other tigers just start backing up. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I've seen that video. Way. It's a Siberian tiger that walks in on a bunch of Bengal tigers. Right. <laughs> so in, in the time that we have remaining, let me try and, and give you all a little bit here of, of um, the BlackRock and Vanguard group discussion. Now, um, this is something where I need Ryan Dawson or, or Polly over at Amazing Polly to go open up their deck guns on this on this topic. Because the thing is, when it comes to private equity, and I've mentioned private equity before, um, the thing about these organizations is if you if you research or look into data on them in a general way, like the private equity industry or private banking or things of that nature, you can find some information, you can find some books and other other things out there. But when you try and drill down into specific organizations, it's crickets. It's it's absolute crickets. Right. And so the two I wanted to focus on was BlackRock and Vanguard. Um, and and when you discuss these two, you really have to throw in State Street advisors. So I I had some some high points here I wanted to give you. Um, BlackRock was founded in the late eighties. Um, they're one of the largest investment management firms uh, in the world. Right now, they've got about eight and a half to nine trillion dollars in assets under management as of March and uh, in March of 2020. Now, this is kind of interesting. The Federal Reserve chose BlackRock to manage two corporate bond buying programs in response to the bug. That's that you know, if we we'll all recall, last March of 2020 is when the lockdowns and everything started to happen in response to the disease. But, you know, setting up financial arrangements like that takes a long time. And I always found it rather ironic that when the crap hit the fan in March of 2020, suddenly everything was ready to go and $500 billion in credit, credit lines were ready to go. But how did, how did the government work with BlackRock to back those? Well, they did it through the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation and other government mortgage programs. Now, for any of us who've been around at least for 20 years, that's kind of funny to quote Jack Nicholson a few good men because wasn't home loan mortgages how we nearly blew up the economy in 2008? <laughs> <laughs> and in August of 2020, BlackRock was approved by China to operate a mutual fund business in that country. And we know the Chinese are very cautious about letting any outside uh, corporation other than their own do something that important. The Vanguard Group uh, was, was founded in the 70s. They've got about $7 trillion in assets. And uh, the Vanguard Group actually is the largest shareholder in BlackRock because all the hands shake each other. Bloomberg actually calls BlackRock the fourth branch of government because of their relationship with the Treasury and the Federal Reserve. And the European Union right now is in a big dust up around the contracts that were awarded to BlackRock in Europe because the government ministers there consider that a serious conflict of interest. Now, for any of you who've ever seen any of the documentaries about the corruption in Brussels, you have to know something is really messed up when Brussels, as corrupt as it is, say something to the effect of this exceeds our allowable level of corruption by European standards, and we don't like this BlackRock deal. No. Exactly. Now, here's, here's where the rubber really starts hitting the road. BlackRock holds very large stakes in Bayer and Monsanto's. And per the prior show, that means influence on global seed producers. And they also have stakes in Cargill, who I discussed quite a bit last week. Now, Cargill is private, but Cargill still needs access to lines of credit. So the other thing, too, about BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street Advisors is you have to keep in mind that when the market is rewarding for speculation, and speculation tends to become more critical during slowdowns or periods like we're in right now, private equity firms tend to benefit. And these guys are the masters at managing risks because most of the things they invest in are, are pretty risky. 
and they rarely lose money. And the other thing too is, is when these folks start buying and selling companies, and I've been on the ground zero of that when it came with Carlisle, um, productivity always goes up, but they, they run those employees into the ground. Now, the other thing too is BlackRock and Vanguard are the top two owners of Time Warner, Comcast, and Disney and News Corp. And that means they've got heavy control of four of the six major media companies who control more than 90% of all news in the United States. And if you add State Street Advisors to the three of the or to these three, that's 90% of all the Standard and Poor's 500 firms in the U.S. So media firms that Vanguard Group and BlackRock have influence over, they also have influence over major pharmaceutical firms. And BlackRock has a tool that they use that they sell to other firms to use. It's called Aladdin. And it tracks investor portfolios for a number of, of different financial advisors. That tool has $22 trillion in assets in it. And every time there's criticism of private equity, especially these firms, um, regulation efforts always seem to run out of gas. Now, to be fair, it was both President Obama and President Trump's administrations who refused calls to more closely regulate these firms. And as I said, every time there's a push for scrutiny, amazingly, suddenly executives from these firms are now being appointed to posts in Washington, which is kind of funny. It reminds me of what happened back in Reagan's administration when uh, Ronald Reagan took office. About a third to half his cabinet were all Bechtel Corporation yep. uh, executives, including, you know, it's funny. People think of George, uh, George Schultz and Don Regan and some of these other big names from the Reagan administration. What's funny is all of those people were senior executives at Bechtel. And Bechtel is what? Privately held firm, Northern California, been in operation for hundreds of years, multi-generational wealth. They built the Hoover Dam. They built the Alaskan Pipeline. They built a city in Saudi Arabia called Jubail for $127 billion in the 1980s. Um, Bechtel, Stephen J. Bechtel of the company was, billion today. <laughs> was asked once uh, by Tom Brokaw. Uh, why is it um, that your company is not publicly traded? And Stephen J. Pectel snorted at him and said, we do business with governments, not with people. Um, now, here are some, the more spooky stuff is BlackRock announced last December, they, they're going to start pushing firms with whom they've invested to disclose the racial makeup of their boards and workforces. Oh. And if those corporations do not comply with BlackRock's guidance, they're going to vote out those firms' directors. So for some of you out there who have, been, who have been wondering, gee, why is it all of a sudden all these CEOs and others seem like they're all acting off the same hymnal, whether it's social justice or other topics or the riots and similar, uh, there's a real good reason why social justice and virtue signaling is suddenly on, on the agenda for them. Because when your banker's banker is telling you to do something, you're not really in a position to say no. Now, in Biden's administration, much like Reagan's, Joe's got a bunch of people from BlackRock that are over there, including Brian Deese, who is a BlackRock alum, who just joined the administration as on the National Economic Council. Now, one of the things that Deese is doing on the National Economic Council is he's pushing for, drumroll, green energy. Hmm. And then BlackRock's chief executive, Larry Fink, was under consideration by Hillary Clinton to run Treasury if she had won the 2016 election. He's also rumored to be under consideration that Joe wants to pull Larry Fink in there. Now, Vanguard's founder, a guy named John Bogle, or Bogle, he said in 2018, quote, a handful of giant institutional investors will one day hold voting control of virtually every large U.S. corporation and their growing dominance on financial markets, corporate governance, and regulation will become a major issue in coming years. Now, that was, that was just two to three years ago. I love fascism. So... In conclusion, and don't worry, CJ, I'll, st I'll still nail it before. <laughs> I'm not going to take time away from, from, Harry, or from uh, our, our next guest. Um, so what are our takeaways? We know the ownership stakes of these firms, but we'd really need to dig in more to understand more of the subtle points. Case in point, what is the stake of Vanguard and BlackRock in the major suppliers to those Fortune 100 firms? So th think of that, and I'm going to use a wacky reference. Think in the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. You can have a successful and popular bar but, or, or entertainment venue, but that ends tomorrow if nobody's going to deliver alcohol or food. So right. if some corporate executive wants to stand up to BlackRock and Vanguard and trust that a vote of their um, 
boards are not going to get disrupted. Fine. But what happens when your suppliers start cutting you off? And these private equity firms control two powerful sectors that should never happen. They control media and pharmaceutical firms. So it's like in the 30s and the 1980s when banks were suddenly allowed to start selling services and sectors they were legally blocked from previously. It doesn't end well. It never does. So when media and the medicine universe are the same thing, it almost reminds me of the NSA data center out in Utah where several of the people involved in that project became congressional witnesses and said, don't turn it on. It's, you know, it's Skynet. So it's the same thing here. How are we ever going to know certain sectors of the U.S. economy are not looking out for the public good if the reporters of the public good are also under the same control of those people? And the yeah. leaders of these, of these firms are very hard to pin down. You want to know something, man. It, 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 I'm glad you brought this up and you're really putting it all out there. All of this, what are we seeing in the last several decades, right? We're seeing a lot of vertical integration. We've seen a lot of co consolidation. We've seen uh, the agenda, whatever the, 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 the inside agenda is for these plutocrats, being issued and then being followed in lockstep. There is a massive consolidation and wealth extraction that's happening. And it's all connected between Vanguard to the Wuhan thing, between uh, people leaving Illinois on purpose, between governors of blue states driving out residents, right? It's all connected. And, 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 and they are in the process of remaking this country into some sort of a hellhole that I fear will, you know, that we're seeing, we're, we're, we're witnessing this. It's, it, it's crazy to actually see this, fellas. It is. And the thing I would leave all of you in the audience, too, is as follows. As I've shared with a number of you, there was a time in my life when I was, um, it was a smaller consulting practice, but I was the chief operating officer of, of a management consulting practice that was working in D.C. And my staff was made up of retired C-level executives who, to be candid, they wanted something to do. You know, I had a major banking executive walk in our door one day and literally look at me and my team and say, my wife told me to come here. She said, this is where we're all supposed to go when we retire. <laughs> and we would have the most amazing dinners with men and women sitting around the table where many of these folks knew each other. They had worked together or they had lived in expat communities in the UK and so on. And the thing that's often missed in translation is, is they often had to live in highly secure condo or uh, housing arrangements in London or Paris or other major cities because the kidnapping risk to them was quite high. This is another one of those things they never teach you in business school. And where I'm going with this is, is that when I used to talk to them, there comes a point at which in their lives, money becomes like fusion. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they don't need to make money. The money they have is making money. And they've got enough that they can spend a couple of million and they're still doing all right. I mean, I had one executive walk in. He had three different properties in different areas of the country, not massive homes, but very nice homes with gated security and so on. And he had a Ferrari at each property. And he walked into our offices in D.C. and he said, I've been beating the hell out of a little white ball for a couple of months. Please give me something to kill. I've, I've got to have a major project. I've got to have some impossible thing that the government has said for years can't be done that I, I want to go through my, my, my expertise at to go accomplish. So when we're dealing with like Bezos and some of these folks in Silicon Valley, their motivations are things like, I want to be the first CEO in space. Now, to us on this call, it's like I'm just trying to buy groceries and keep my family going. But they operate at a different level. So when it comes to Vanguard and BlackRock and some of these things that I've, I've tried, and again, this is a very high-level overview, folks. I wish I, I could have done a bit more. But the net of it is, is that these folks are operating at a level of this is where the whole social engineering thing keeps coming in and like what V was talking about. This is where like manipulating humanity to them is the goal. And it's not Matthew Eretz narrative of intellectuals and others which is completely spot on about intellectuals and others saying hmm you know as academics what would happen if we did this to society and could we create a more harmonious universe if we did this these executives don't care it's just i'm gonna do it i'm gonna buy texas and make it my own nature preserve i mean this is That's this is exactly the way some of these happen. folks well and what was funny was we we had to very highly vet many of the executives I had working with us because they, by their own acknowledgement, would say, you can't believe how crazy some of our colleagues are. Yeah. That you're just, you're off the reservation as far as their perception of reality because they're surrounded by people that are just like themselves. 
It's just a bunch of yes people going, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. That was wonderful what you did today. And of course, to backtrack on an earlier topic, this is where Kamala is beginning to realize the degree to which she's been used. So with that, I, I close my comments. Very well said. And you know, it's funny. BlackRock, you, you mentioned, uh, you said it best, BlackRock and, and Vanguard, the, uh, the amount of influence they have in media, the amount of shares and control they have over media companies. And if you notice that plot of uh, land, that building uh, that they did, uh, I think it was like 2,200 housing units in Texas that all, you know, there, it was being built out. And all of a sudden, BlackRock came in and they bought out every single one of those units. Okay. Yes. yes. And then now, yesterday, Bloomberg releases a, uh, a, a piece. Uh, the future of American home ownership is rentals. Yes. Folks, you're seeing the neo-feudalism roll out before your eyes. We That's are. What people don't get. And, and I'm going to have on a future show, folks, there was a shift in corporate America about 10 years ago. I was living it with a firm I worked with where they moved contracts, vendor contracts or services you pay for from like a permanent contract to what's called usage or subscription based. Now, I'm yep. going to have a show coming up where I'm going to talk about this because this is where you're all headed. Yep. You're not going to buy a car. You're going to buy transportation. Yep. And you may use a sport utility at one weekend, and you're just going to pay a fee. And your house or your living quarters, you're just oh, going to no. pay a fee. You're not going to – I hate to sound like the uh, World Economic Forum, but there's a degree of truth to what they've been saying. You you're not really going to own anything. And you will be happy. You will be happy with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're at the end of the show. Velas, thank you so much, man. Awesome Thanks, show guys. again. Folks, again, subscribe, like, comment, share. We've got Harley Schlanger up next. CJ, take it away.